0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: What's going on guys, it's your boy Anthony alongside the best Big 3 account in the universe, Big 3 News, a.k.a. Will. Back with another edition of The Fourth Man. Man, it, this is going to be a good show. We have an awesome interview on the back end. We have a couple things to catch you guys up on in, in terms of the Big 3. Really encouraging things, but first and foremost, as always, my guy, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I got to take the first – I want. I would like to uh, donate
2: my introduction to this episode – and give a shout-out to my man, Anthony Puccio. Ready for this, Anthony?
1: Mm, mm, always. A little swig of water there.
2: Uh, you're not going to understand what that means, but just wait till this episode comes out, and then I promise
1: you, you're going to like what I just did there. Okay, okay. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. So, that, uh, get back on track here. Great episode. Glad you're doing well, Will. Got a couple things to catch you guys up on before we get into the interview here. But first, Will, you were telling me something before, we jumped on here and started recording and I told you to stop because I wanted to get first reaction on this, but I think it's really interesting. So I'm going to kind of uh, level the table for you here or set the table for you here right after we get through a little bit of the the legwork up front here. Like for always, sure. if you want to find our social media pages, it's at fourth man pod at big three news at a underscore Siggy. We're always making sure you're up to date on all big three news and anything tied to any big three related players, especially Will over there. If you want to watch the show instead of listen to the podcast, it's youtube.com slash fourthmanpod. And as always, for those of you listening on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel, appreciate you guys as always, whether you're a first-time listener or you're an every Saturday listener, I really appreciate because this the show pretty much drops and then it's released on Dash Radio. So always a good time if you're listening over there. All right, well, the, the floor is yours here.
2: Yeah, I mean, so basically, before we got the episode started, I started to tell you this and I was like, Tell me if this is interesting enough for the podcast. And then you're like, Before I could even finish it, you're like, Yes, say it. <laughs> so basically, to, to give a little bit of context, um, I was looking at the Big Three's Instagram today because they posted, they're starting to post again. They posted twice in like the same day, which is like really been something that right. they haven't been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking and I was like, All right, so we know their preferred method of communication is sliding into people's DMs.
1: Right, And it's
2: pretty likely that if you're going to slide into somebody's DMs, you're at least going to hit them with that follow first. Definitely. So I said, who are some guys that maybe are either following the big three or that the big three is following who don't play in the big three? Because that would be a pretty interesting, you
1: know. That's some good investigation. Right. Like investigation
2: thinking there. So I looked very briefly, but one interesting name that popped up, I did a little bit of research into it i did a little background research i said maybe this is just a respect thing okay. but to be honest with you it's just interesting so mm. the only member of the ball family that the big three seems to follow is leangelo ball interesting mm.
1: interesting. that, that is to interesting. me is
2: just very interesting okay. i don't know about you that okay. to me is just very like hmm
1: well i i want to tie i want to tie something in here and shout out to our boy shandy 2k but you know, we we've I don't want to say that the big three is just following us necessarily everything we're doing, but I think that we've got their acknowledgement a couple times in the past, especially sure. in season three. There, I wonder if there's a chance. You know, maybe they looked at the pleas and we're just kind of thinking of people maybe they could DM. We've seen them DM Michael Beasley. You know, right, he's kind of made that public there, but that's really interesting because typically for people to follow the ball, they follow the whole family. They don't just follow one in particular ball.
2: That's right. You know, so I, I don't know because you would think, all right, maybe you're following Lonzo, LaMelo, Jello, and then Lavar, like, cause they're just, you know, mm-hmm. basketball figureheads. The they're they're right. Exactly. But to only be following Leangelo mm. to me is now I looked at LiAngelo, just not follow the big three back. That would have been like, you know what I mean? Crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know, I don't know. Is it likely that, the big three follows Jello shoots him a DM and they're like, Hey, like if you're interested in playing, here's how you try out, here's how you sign up.
1: I mean, I think it's a good idea on their part because we know what kind of publicity the ball family can create. especially right. Levar for his sons. We, we see what he's done for Lonzo and LaMelo, but even uh, Jello there as well. And I think something too, that's interesting is we have to think about Jello's career right now. Right. So like UCLA didn't go as planned. He played with his brother in Lithuania and then the most that we've heard from him really is getting maybe getting an opportunity to, to play in the G League for the OKC Blue. And he never got that chance because that was right before um everything with COVID hit. And then 2019, they shut down the G League. So it's been a while. So at this point, are you looking at every option? Um, you know, from his perspective, maybe not. Maybe you know, it seems like Guevara could be that type of person that's solely focused on getting his all three of his sons in the nba and wouldn't consider anything else but then then on the flip side you know like he he started a league like the jba league in order for his sons to get more run-ins with some right. like legit athletes and stuff so like i don't know i i would i would hope that jello would consider that but that's some interesting good investigating skills there good thank you thank you good stuff there so let's keep an eye on that and you know if you're ever interested in any kind of big three rumors, I guess we'll just check out the people they are following because that could For sure. lead to something. There. I, I
2: got to look. That was very yeah. briefly. That's like the first guy that I saw that they were following that piqued my interest. I'm sure mm-hmm. that if you keep on scrolling through, there's got to be more.
1: Yeah, 100%. All right, let's catch you guys up on, on a couple of things here. Our a guy that was recently on our podcast, I should say, Michael Cooper. We told you and we talked about him being nominated to the 2021 Hall of Fame class as a potential injury. Recently, he was just named a finalist for the 2021 class, so congrats to Coach Cooper there. We've talked about this numerous times in the past, especially over the past couple episodes. Very deserving, especially just from a a whole resume of basketball that he provides. And just seems like the timing is right and the stars are aligning finally for him.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, when we had Cooper on, he was just such a humble and just nice mm-hmm. guy, and I still sort of pinch myself. he's the
1: uh, – as the But I mean, come on, if you
2: got it, man, you got to flex, flex it, you know, I'd be doing the same thing, <laughs> but yeah, the fact that he isn't in the hall of fame is kind of baffling at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand that they sort of like, we see it this year with Bill Russell, Bill Russell is also a finalist for the hall of fame, but as a coach.
1: Yeah. He's
2: not a player. Obviously Bill Russell was in the hall of fame <laughs> a long right. time ago. That would have been even crazier, but, but honestly, Michael Cooper just for everything that he's done for the the teams that he was a part of, he was a steady contributor on, one of the more important basketball dynasties or sports dynasties, you can say, of all time. Definitely. And even if you take the coaching stuff out of it, I mean, I think the coaching stuff puts him over the top, but even he talks about where he was with the WNBA, and he got in the beginning. I mean, I believe he said he was the first, like, per- retired player to coach.
1: Yeah, and he was coaching within the first years. I mean, Yeah, he a so pioneer. He, he
2: brought legitimacy to that league. So if we're going to give guys – Laurels, you know, I think we have to recognize everything that he's done for not only men's basketball but women's basketball, and he really has been at the epicenter of so many historical moments for the NBA. And that's not this, isn't just some guy sitting on the bench, this is somebody who Larry Bird says is the toughest guy he had to guard. I mean, this is somebody who the Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul Jabbar said, Listen, like we got to get a stop here, all yeah. right, send in Michael Cooper,
1: exactly. You no, know, yeah. so
2: I, to me, he's a listen you look at that class and you look at the guys that he's going up against. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Like everybody there will probably make the hall of fame at some point. I mean, this isn't mm-hmm. like the NFL or the MLB where some people are like, ah, like normally when you're nominated, you will make it eventually. But the fact that Michael Cooper has gotten this far, I would like to see it done this year just for how long he has had to wait. So I just hope that we get to see it. And I think he's more yeah. than deserving.
1: I agree too. And honestly, I mean i think he's well deserving to go in with this class as as good as this class is like you said i mean if larry bird one of the you know greatest to do it is calling somebody the best guy to ever guard me i mean that that in itself is pretty legit so um you know congrats to coach cooper there very well deserving and hopefully he goes from finalist to hall of fame member there uh last thing here i I know we've talked about it a lot from joe's perspective from our perspective but The Big Three came out and announced today that Joe Johnson is officially returning to the Big Three, which we kind of already knew, but it's good to have that that clarity and um, understanding from their point as well. But I think it's even more so exciting in the fact that the Big Three really is coming back. Like, as much as, you know, things are coming out, we still have a little bit of doubt in our minds, I think, of of the timing, not so much of it coming back coming back but the timing of when it will and you know when news will drop but honestly this could kind of be the the very beginning of the snowball rolling down you know a huge hill of information and news coming yeah
2: i have to agree i mean because joe johnson has said before i mean the tbt basically like invited him like let's do this and he's like i'm waiting for the big three and the whole thing was says he's waiting he's waiting he's waiting Mm -hmm. now he's not waiting anymore yeah so something must have changed between the last time that he can conf- reaffirm his commitment to the big three. I mean, even when he was on all the smoke, you know, what, two or three weeks ago, yeah. he said, if the, if the big three comes back, I'll play.
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: now he's playing. So that means <laughs> that the big three must be coming back. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see, like, you know, I think like we've said, I'm sure when they asked Joe Johnson, like, all right, are you in? I'm sure the first couple of questions were, well, when is this happening for how mm-hmm. long, you know, where do I have to be? And, I'm sure they must have given him some swarm of an answer so for him to get his commitment.
1: Yeah, you know? for them to be able to publicly announce that through their right. social media to their hundreds of thousands of followers, I mean, definitely.
2: Yeah, I have a feeling that this was done. I have a feeling that this was probably done a couple of days ago because you, you saw you saw Jamario Moon tweet like, and he tagged all the triplets guys and he's like, mm-hmm. run it back. So sure. I have a feeling that all of triplets will probably be back. I know that they were all ready to play last summer. So I have a feeling that they're all ready to play again. And I'm sure news must have happened. News must have been sh- – information must have been shared to them a couple of days ago for Jamario Moon to make that post. And then the big news yeah. just waited a couple of days and then that's is now posting point. this about Joe Johnson. But I have a feeling that we're going to see I – mean, we've already seen Trilogy basically reaffirm that they're in. We've seen mm-hmm. the same thing with Killer Threes basically. And now Triplets. Well, so that's, a, that's a good point. coming this- in.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a good point that you made about you know Joe having questions and then being able to answer it. You know, I got to think that they were able to answer those because Joe's not going to be like, okay, I'm in, if he doesn't know the the logistics of it and everything. So that's a really good point there, and I I really think this is the beginning of something. It's hard to find like where that tipping point is going to be. I feel like we've tried to indicate that. Two or three times here, but this really looks like it could be that tipping point. Because for the past few posts that the big three has even, you know, put out there, it's mostly just been about the awards that occurred in season three. Almost like like everything up to this point from a social media standpoint almost seems like it's reminding people of what happened in the last season and trying to put it at the like the forefront of their mind, uh, make sure everyone remembers like, oh, what a great season this was. And and you know, in case, you know, memory serve you know doesn't serve you here's some of the things that happened back in season three so uh, we'll see if that is a tipping point there all i know is i'm excited to see iso joe back in there uh, for season four and and defend his mvp trophy and defend honestly for triplets to defend their title yeah definitely
2: i'm joe johnson was unstoppable in season three and triplets were far and away the best team they just Mm -hmm. had to really just go out there and earn it so it's their championship to defend at this point. And I'm really excited. I hope that it will, we will know that it is a good off season if we're going into the season and we're saying,
1: all right, triplets have some competition. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think you triplets, know, it looks like triplets is going to run it back with everybody as long as they. Can get it looks like bat, that. So. And I
2: think, you know, we've already seen trilogy put themselves in a position to be uh, mm-hmm. true competitors. I just think that they need to have a very solid draft because that's yeah. only three guys out of the six or seven that are going to see the floor every game. So, you know, triplets are a deep squad. And we saw that in the championship game especially. I mean, Alan Anderson hit, what, the first nine points for them?
1: Yeah. And that I mean, really set
2: them up for success.
1: Yeah, he was a big glue guy for them. And I think Jamari Moon was, too, down the stretch of there. So. Yeah, that was a great trade that they made. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, they're not lacking size. I got Big Al in the middle there. So yeah. that's a really team, a hard team to compete with there. But I'm excited to see the competition that goes against them. Not gonna get you know too too antsy here because I know it's still very early on, but definitely piqued my interest there a little bit. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for the first half, guys. We appreciate everyone who tuned in again. We have an awesome interview on the back end here with our guy Jeff Key from G League TV. Pretty much the only guy highlighting and showcasing the G League in general. So Really cool conversation with him over 30,000 followers on Instagram and a page that continues to grow and really good G League insight as well. So awesome interview there. Please make sure to like, comment, subscribe, give us feedback, make sure we're doing our part and hold us accountable there. Appreciate everyone who tuned in and let's get to Jeff Key with G League TV. Okay, today we welcome on the founder and creator of the only page that really highlights and showcases the G League as a whole. That's G League TV founder, Jeff Key here. We appreciate your time, man. And we're really excited to talk about the G League and everything and how it interacts with the big three there.
0: Absolutely, I appreciate you guys having me on.
1: Yeah, let's just start here. I mean, how did the page come about? You obviously are are very interested and, and love the G League, but how did you get the idea for the page?
0: Yeah, so the page, actually, I created last April. So it's been about 11 months or so. And it first started with just a little bit of history. I've been, um, you know, working in basketball for quite a while now. In high school, I actually started working at the minor league level. And so there's like a semi-pro team in my area. And then in college, I worked for another semi-pro team. And so throughout my life, I've always been a big fan of like these underdog group of players, you know, that don't really get much recognition. And of course, I followed the NBA as well. But um, I started watching the G League back when it was the D League uh, in around around 2015. And so I've been a huge fan ever since then. And then when, you know, COVID struck, I really didn't have anything to do. And so, you know, just being on Instagram all the time, looking at NBA highlights and, of course, following the G League, I was like, you know what, man, there's I have access to Synergy. Are you guys familiar with that? It's like the uh, has all the film. Okay, like GP yeah yeah film, yeah sure and stuff like that and i have access to the, all this film in this database um and i love the g league I you know i kind of want to start my own page and so I, I, I really first started it just as a way to like kind of highlight these guys and i was thinking if i get a couple thousand followers that'd be great and um it took a, a while to get a thousand but you know ever since the last maybe like three or four months or so it's kind of taken off a little bit and uh, you know it's just uh, been a good way of getting these, some of these guys exposure and then really showcasing how talented all these guys are you know these guys are borderline NBA players and they don't really get too much hype and so the page hopefully has been a good resource for them
1: definitely I think it's been a good resources for you know maybe casual fans like us too you know just being more um, interested and, and knowing more about the G League you know as you're continuing to highlight that So you made the page, you really saw the growth, you know, as the G League bubble came about, but where did you actually like see where the, the page turned there and you're like, Oh, the page is really growing now. Like at what point did you, did you realize you had something?
0: I think it was probably maybe a month or two into it when all the players started DMing me for highlights. Oh, nice. So it was really, I mean, um, pretty much every day, a different player would DM me about making them a highlight reel. And so I was like, oh, you know, this is this is pretty cool. And I would just do them all for free. I had all the time in the world with everything being shut down. And so I was making them. And then of course, um, the page really took off with them reposting the videos. So they'd repost it on their page or on their story. And then all their friends and family or teammates and stuff like that would also repost it. And especially if they were guys from different schools, like, the, you know, if, if they played at a big school, like a Kentucky or like a Duke or something like that, it would just explode. And so um by that time I kind of knew like if I continue working at this it might catch on a little bit and then of course when the season started and Kevin Porter announced that he was playing and then when Lynn announced that he was playing suddenly everyone was like I can't you know commenting like they can't wait to see their highlights and thankfully for me they had great seasons and so it kind of skyrocketed after
1: that so you didn't really have to come up with your own content it was more of like guys almost like gift wrapped you like the the content or they're they pretty much like served it up and you were able to
0: just kind of put it together and, and post it well so um using that database with all the film i'm able to get everyone's highlights from that uh synergy database oh okay okay and so yeah so they would just come to me and be like could you make me a highlight highlight reel and you know sometimes i would showcase different things like gary payton for him you know he's the last three years he's led the league in steals mm-hmm. and uh, he's just an example Um, I would make a video of just showcasing his skills. And I think he's also the best shot blocking guard in basketball, you know, and so I would make a video of just, you know, his chase down blocks or him just, you know, swatting people at the rim into the second row and stuff like that. So, you know, it was more about kind of beating being creative and showcasing what they're actually good at. Um, And then you know, like I said, not everyone in the G League is the household name, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's a lot of guys that are, that, like I said, are specialty players, you know, and so they fill a certain role. And so my thing was like, okay, you know, the average 11 points a game or so, uh, but your your biggest thing is you're a three-point shoot, you shot, you know, 42% from the three-point line. So let me make a video showcasing all your threes, you know? And so hopefully through that Um, I don't know how many, maybe NBA scouts are still watch it, you know, but I think the NBA more than ever is looking for specialty players like that. And so they could watch the video and be like, you know, we're looking at a three point, we're looking for like a three point specialist. Maybe this is the type of guy we need.
2: Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great point. I mean, we've seen guys like a Duncan Robinson or even like a Dort in Oklahoma, right. Who's really just like a defensive stopper. And especially on these championship teams that are really just looking like, all right, like we have the guys who are going to go down and really be, the, the the leaders of this offense, but we're going to need people to fill specific roles. And to your credit, I think you've really showcased that the G league is full of guys who can really, you can plug and play them at a lot of different needs and situations. Um, That being said, you know, you talk about the feedback that you've gotten from all these players, has there been a specific player or maybe a specific group of players or even a team that has just really been sort of, you know, supportive of your page, you mean, you know, maybe from the beginning or just people who that you've noticed.
0: Yeah, there's been quite a few. Actually, I'm um, actually uh, so one big one has been Raphael Putney. He's the all-time leader in uh shot and block shots in the G League. And you know, he's become a great friend of mine. He actually sent me his jersey, which I'm wearing oh, right now. That's nice. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> nice. He sent me his game worn jersey from when he uh played for the Bayhawks. And so he's that's been, true. you know, great. Uh he and I talked throughout his time with the bubble this year. He was with the Mad Ants and then he was with the Iowa Wolves. But uh, Putney has been great. Uh, Alizé Johnson is a guy that I communicate a lot with. Uh, Axel Tupon, who was on mm-hmm. the Santa Cruz Warriors. He just got called up by the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, there's been a lot of smaller ones, too. Uh, I'm trying to think of some some other cool names that you guys might recognize. Um, oh, you guys said Mo Charlo. We I didn't Yeah, talk yeah. About- oh, yeah. Mo's a good friend of mine, and he played in – the, back when it was the D-League for the Reno Bighorns. And so uh, I made a mixtape of him back during his day and he was an all-star. And so, yeah, Mo and I interact quite a bit as well. But yeah, those have been the main guys that I really, oh, and, um, the last one is Dusty Hannes, who's, in my opinion, okay. the best shooter in the G-League. He was on the Santa Cruz Warriors and uh, he was on the Memphis Hustle last year. averaged about 21 points a game, got caught up a few times. And so those guys I interact with the most
2: that's pretty uh, you know, an embarrassment of riches that you can say the Warriors have the best shooter in the NBA and now the G League as well.
0: Yes, right. And you know, he's he's one of those specialty players. I'm sure we'll get into a little more about, you know, guys that might deserve call-ups, but if there's any team that would be out there that's looking for strictly like not just strictly, but a guy who who can just come in and you know, play 10 minutes and drill three threes, you know, on three for four shooting, it's that guy, you know? And so he's been a great guy to communicate with online. And then also he's just, I think he's uh, I think you could put him at the three point line at any three point line, just an open gym. He probably make 95 out of 100 hundred threes.
2: And so you talk about, you mentioned a couple of times now, the G league, they played in a bubble this year. Yep. Uh, it was a little bit shorter than the NBA bubble, but what has the feedback that you've gotten from those players? I know when the NBA was, I would say mixed feedback to say the least, but what have you been hearing from the guys in the G league?
0: You know, the feedback that I've gotten from the players that I talk with is that it's been great. Um, I think also, you know, the G league players, their expectations are a little bit lower in terms of like the standard of living. And they were staying, as far as I know, they were staying in the same hotels and playing in the same courts as the NBA players were. But, you know, I think the NBA players are so used to being wine and dine to an extent that, 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 in a way they kind of forget normal life, you know, cause they're used to making, you know, 10 million, $20 million a year, but these G League guys came there, I think just solely looking for an opportunity, even if it was only 15 games. Now it was, the season was 15 games and I thought that was kind of short. I really do wish it was 25 or so because there were quite a few players that I was uh, interested in looking at this year that didn't get much of an opportunity. And throughout the season, usually the season's significantly longer, so, um, Throughout the course, you can kind of be like, oh, they're not playing in the beginning, but they could play if a player gets called up, or whatever. But there wasn't that chance for a lot of these guys um, who were kind of like, you know, glued to the bench if the rotation was kind of deep. But everything that I heard was that, you know, these players came there just looking for an opportunity. They didn't care if, you know, they're being fed, um, if they weren't being fed gourmet meals or anything like that. They were just hungry to ball.
1: That's dope. And I'm glad that they enjoyed that because I feel like that's an experience of in a lifetime. And those guys are just appreciative of the opportunity. So it's good to hear that they, they really appreciated that. And I want to talk about some of those teams from the bubble and some of those players as well, but just from more so like a fan perspective, or even your perspective, what, what were your thoughts of the G league bubble? I mean, it, it seems like just from your, your page growth alone that the G league gained a lot of traction this year uh, just from the bubble.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, this season was definitely the most talent we've ever seen in the G league from top to bottom. I mean, there were, there were a lot of guys on those on those teams who were maybe getting 10 points uh, who were capable of getting 20. And there were guys who were getting 10 minutes that are capable of getting 30, you know, and just an example is that there's uh, a guy named Bryce Brown, who was one of my favorite players last year. He played for Auburn and last year he was um, just one of the top five shooters in the G league averaged probably about 16 points a game for the red claws. And he had a game where he went 10 for 10 uh, or was 11 for 11 from the three point line in one game, 11 for 11. And so, you know, he was a guy that I was like, Oh, you know, he's going to come back and have another great, uh, another great season, hopefully get called up, but he didn't really play that much this year. And that's because the rosters were just so deep. I mean, and so, and just terms of talent, I don't think it's ever been more talented. Um, in terms of, just notoriety, having guys like Kevin Porter was huge. Um, Having, you know, Jamie Lynn of course was huge. And I really just thought that the Ignite team brought so much great exposure. And I think that the way they're handling the the situation over there with developing these guys um, through, you know, mentorship, whether it's uh, having older veteran players on the team, allowing them to take college courses. I think it's gonna be huge in a few years. It's it's big now, it's big now, but I think it's gonna be even bigger in a few years. but, yeah, just it's been as deep as possible for these. And then also the one thing that I love was that you never knew on a given night who was going to win. Right. And so I know there's yeah. seedings and everything like that. And there's a few teams that went on some really crazy runs like Santa Cruz. They won a nine game winning streak, um, won 10 of their last 11 games, but they ended up losing in the uh, in the conference finals. And the team that won the championship this year was the Lakeland Magic, who were the sixth seed that lost their best player. Uh, Mamadou Diakite to the NBA and even with that um, he was a leading scorer and rebounder and even with that you know they still found a way to win the championship so you know it was one of those years where it was just so talented um, and every team to an extent was was exciting to watch you know that it just bodes so well for the G League in the future moving forward to next season and then you know this is the 19th season of the G League so I can't imagine in maybe 10-15 years the popularity I think will explode. Couldn't
1: agree more. And I think that there were a lot of teams and a lot of players that, that really made it exciting. And I think it was a fun product. And, and you know, that and the fact that it was on ESPN Plus, maybe sometimes on some of the other ESPN right. channels there. Right. Um, and I, I think, too, you know, the Ignite team, give them a lot of credit because they were a very fun team. And that's a team that I want to touch on a little bit later in the episode. Um, I think, you know, Santa Cruz Warriors were fun. It was cool to see Jeremy Lin back out there as well. Yeah. but. I feel like we need to talk about the champion Lakeland magic and even, you know, the Delaware blue coats to an extent, because our guy from the big three, Xavier Silas had a little bit. Yeah, of, definitely uh, implemented, you know, offense that he added to that team to make them so explosive and and help them get to the championship game. But that championship game, what were your thoughts on it and who were some of the players that you're kind of looking out for that maybe need a little bit more exposure after, you know, being able to go the distance and, and play at the highest stage there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this whole playoffs was actually kind of weird. Like I said, you know, you never knew who was going to win on a given night, which I think is the exciting part about the G League. And they made it uh, just a one-game elimination, kind of like with TBT we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, But the playoffs from top to bottom was every game was a blowout. I forgot the actual margin of victory from the first round, uh, the semifinals and the finals. But uh, the margin of victory for the entire playoffs was over 20 you know, and so uh, the championship Gosh. game itself, I was expecting a little more, you know, just because the blue coats, that, you know, were stacked. They were the only team to be undefeated for a while. I think they started with a 7-0, and and then they yeah. went on a four game losing streak, and then they ended up finding their footing uh, towards the end of the season again. But they were loaded from top to bottom. And then, you know, the Lakeland Magic were a really good team, too, despite losing their best player but they were still loaded from top to bottom too. So I really did think that it was going to be a neck and neck game, you know, one game elimination for the championship, but it was a blowout, which made it, I think, a tad bit disappointing. Um, but you're totally right. There are a ton of guys on both teams that deserve call-ups. I mean, um, you know, just starting with the finals MVP, Devin Kennedy. Devin, and I forgot to mention him as a guy that I talked to as well. I know Devin threw uh, the basketball tournament last summer. And then Devin, funny story is that he actually called me The day before the G League finals called me and he and I were talking because, you know, and I told him like, you know, this year you've been one of the better role players in the G League. Last year he was with the Long Island Nets and he averaged about 15 points a game as a rookie. And he's also one of three uh, Ivy League alum in the G League, which is pretty cool. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Devin and I, uh, I was like, you know, last year you were. Averaging more points, but your team wasn't winning this year. Your stats have gone down a little bit, but you're, you're on a great team, you know? So if you can really show out in the championship game, like who knows what will happen for your future and your um, chances of getting a call up. And he was like, nah, yeah. And he's, he was like, I promise you, I'm going to show up. I promise you I'm going to show out. And then he ends up scoring 22 points, you know, and, and winning the finals MVP. He really put the team on his back. And, and, um and so, you know, with Devin, every finals MVP from the G league, has played the NBA at some point, you know? So I'm hoping that Devin continues in that trend and is, and is called up, whether it's by the Magic or, you know, he has his rights traded to another team. Um, he's deserving of a call-up. He's a guy that I think that can really come in off someone's bench for 15 minutes or so um, right now and probably get you eight or nine points, eight, nine, 10 points. And so he's a guy that deserves a call-up. Another guy that I love in the Lakeland Magic is Tahir McCall, and he's a six five swingman. He's... um a guy that doesn't get really that much exposure because his best attribute is on the defensive end, you know? But he's he led the Lakeland Magic in charges taken this year. Uh, he was one of the league leaders in charges taken. He's a guy that uh, I think could lock up, not, maybe not lock up, but he could he's a guy that I think could play, could play really good defense on even the better players in the NBA. Um, and so if you wanted, you know, a really nice swing man that can defend three positions uh, that can rebound the ball he averaged seven rebounds a game this year and can also score I think he shot about 35 36 percent from three he could he's a really good slasher he's decently athletic he's another guy that I think deserves a call up and then on the blue coats, uh there's a ton of guys of course you know Paul Reed he's with the Sixers and he was just amazing this year in his rookie season he's probably going to get rookie of the year um, and so you know there's Paul Reed and then there's Rajon Tucker who was signed by the Sixers on the exhibit 10 contract and then play this year for his second year in the G league. Last year, he was, he was second leading scorer in the G league. And so he's a guy that's, you know, everyone knows him for his dunks. I don't know if you've gone on YouTube and just seen like this guy can absolutely fly. He could probably win the NBA dunk contest right now, but Ray John's the type of guy that even though he's more famous for his dunks, he's just uh, one of the best um, rim finishers in the league. I mean, cause he's, He's six foot three of just pure steel. And he's developed a really nice uh, mid-range and outside shot as well. And so, you know, those three guys I would love to see called up. And then there's some smaller players. Like uh, I would love to see Justin Robinson on the Bluecoats get called up as well. He was the point guard this year. He's probably one of the top five best pure point guards. He went to Virginia. I'm sorry, Virginia Tech. And so he was with the Wizards for a little bit. Didn't get too much run. He's another guy I think deserves another shot. Um, but yeah, both teams are loaded with guys that have just so much talent and it's hard because, you know, as I mentioned those four or so, but you could really make an argument for probably five or six guys per team for both of those.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, those are obviously, you know, I feel like I, I sort of adopted the blue coats this season because of Xavier Silas, just how well yeah. he was doing as offensive coordinator. So that was just really cool to see them go that far. And like you said, and you know, Lakeland- Xavier
0: was a phenomenal player Mm -hmm. you know when he was in the G League he was a 20 points per game player as well and he could I mean some of his dunks are actually pretty crazy before I watched Xavier he played for the Celtics for a little bit and then um and I watched him like a tiny bit in Colorado but I didn't know he had bounced like that I mean he was really throwing (laughs) out some crazy jams in the G League and then he played this past year in TBT for overseas elite and so I know he's a, a a big three guy as well, but yeah, Xavier, I've talked to him uh, not only at TBT but through DMs, and he's a great guy too.
2: I'm glad I actually you brought up TBT. I wanted to get into that a little bit. So now you were in the bubble for TBT. Um, what was that environment like?
0: How was that experience? You know, that experience was fantastic. It was before the NBA bubble, right? And so we didn't really know what to expect, and and um, you know, I'm I don't have any high maintenance tendencies per se. Like, you know, they fed us regular food. We we stayed in a great hotel. I thought it was fine, you know? And, but the, I think the the coolest thing about that experience was that it was five weeks of just hotel and gym, hotel and gym. Couldn't go anywhere. It's not like the, you know, the Disney resort that the NBA players and the G League players had where we had like a pool or anything like that. It was just strictly you're in your hotel room or you're at the gym watching the TBT games going on. And I couldn't, you know, it was, Awesome because I got to experience being around players all the time, you know, for five weeks. And so you're able to like talk to these guys and really get to know them on a personal level. And Joe Johnson was one of those guys, another, you know, big three legend. Joe Johnson was one of those guys that was in the bubble for five weeks. And I'll tell you, for someone that made over a hundred million dollars in his career, he he was the nicest guy in the world, really (laughs) nicest guy. And um, you would just think that, that, you know, someone who's made that much and accomplished that much would have higher standards, but he did everything that a normal player did, uh, never complained about anything. And, and like I said, balled out and was an absolute uh fantastic person to deal with too. That's really cool.
2: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And so we've seen sort of, I guess we get into the big three a little bit. We've seen, it's funny, the relationship that the G League and the big three had, it really started as sort of You know, if you went on a timeline, maybe the average player would go college, G League, NBA, and then finish their career in the big three. But we've really started to see the big three sort of shift towards this platform where maybe guys who would play in the G League or who had G League experience – could really use the big three sort of like a TBT or somewhere almost like overseas experience as an opportunity to get more tape, more experience, and make it either back to the NBA or to the NBA for the first time. We've seen it with guys like Xavier Silas. We saw it last year, especially with the guy that I love, CJ Leslie on Bivouac. Right. Um, in right. your opinion, you know, who are some guys in the G League now that you saw this season that you think – you know, maybe isn't ready for that NBA call up, but could really benefit the most for maybe a summer, a quick trip in the big three.
0: You know, that's a great question. Um, If I had to guess, they would probably have to be a veteran player, Mm -hmm. you know, that maybe their chances of the NBA have dwindled and they're in their thirties or so. Um, Because I, I just can just imagine the younger guys, even if they're not getting the call up now, they might go overseas and make the big bucks over there or you know unfortunately a lot of people would think that whether it's the big 3 or TBT they would be like I don't want to risk anything you know and in, in terms of uh playing in it and maybe getting hurt and then ruining their chances of a summer league or a, or a training camp contract and so i would say that one of my favorites is this guy David Stockton who's John Stockton's son you know david's been in the G League since the 2000 2000- 14 15 season and his rookie year he averaged like almost 20 and 10 but he's a guy that played a little bit for the lakers a little bit for i'm sorry a little bit for the kings and then a little bit for the utah jazz and a guy like him who's been around the g league for you know maybe six years or so um has played overseas but you know has is in his his early 30s or so i could see him being like you know what man my whole thing is i just want to take any opportunity playing basketball and the big three has so much exposure you know if he balls out and you know he's he has unbelievable shooting range so if he catches fire during the big three who knows maybe a team calls him up for something uh, you know to be one of those specialty players so david stockton could definitely be one um i would love to see my man Raphael putney who's jersey i rocking right now i'd love to see him get you know a chance of playing in the league but you know he's probably in his early 30s and unfortunately, the league is looking for younger players. Even though I still think he could compete at that level, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Raphael is a guy that plays in the in the uh, the big three one day. He's an amazing shot blocker. He's six ten, can run the floor like a guard. Um, unbelievable hops. He just YouTube him; his dunk reel is insane. And so those two guys um, probably would be the best. But I would love to see David Stockton just because you know. The mainstream fans don't really know that John Stockton has a son. And right. so it'd be really cool to, to see, you know, former NBA guys um, play against John Stockton and, <laughs> and NBA fans. You don't know that John Stockton has a son for them to be able to see him on that platform.
1: Yeah. What they about, could actually um, both benefit like, from that. I feel like, Yeah. you know, the big three and, and David Stockton as well. Just, just having that, like, I guess like that, that name recognition and then the big threes on the big three side. And then for David, it's like, oh, more people are tuning in to the big three because of the name recognition, you know? See his right. game a little bit more.
0: Yeah, for sure,
1: for sure.
2: I was going to ask you specifically, what about uh, the Ignite vets? I thought it was such a cool idea that they were able to bring yeah. those guys on. That's you know? a great
0: point. You're right, that's a great point. I would say that every Ignite vet, except for maybe three or so, are looking for another chance at um, maybe the NBA. So the mm-hmm. the ones that I can see are not looking towards the NBA or Reggie Hearn, who didn't, he's a long, long time G leaguer who didn't really play that much for the Ignite. Um, Bobby Brown, he'd be kind of cool to see in the G league. I'm, I'm sorry, in the, uh, in the big three, he just says, you know, he stands five feet beyond the three point line every game and just can just cash them. <laughs> and then uh, Amir Johnson, you're right. I didn't think about the, the, the G league Ignite vets, but those would be probably some good ones as well. So Amir Johnson would be pretty cool. I don't know if Amir Johnson is actually looking towards another stint in the nba if he's just playing for the love of the game the opportunity to mentorship mentor uh you know some players and stuff like that but if he's not looking for another chance in the league and he's just trying to play basketball and have fun yeah the big three would be perfect and so um yeah i could see those guys as well take another chance but amir played well enough where i think he could probably come back for another g league season you know but he could do both i guess he could play in the big three in the summer and then come back through the ignite team again too yeah i mean and then one, the one, one of meant uh missing out is Jared Jack. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Jared Jack. Would love to see Jared Jack do that. But you know, every once in a while, I see Jared Jack and I know he's, he's probably like 38 years old right now. Um, I always wonder, is he looking for another shot in the NBA? I don't know if it'll ever come. He's really pushing it on the age, you know, age wise, but he really has some flashes sometimes this year. And then last year when he was with the sky force mm-hmm. that I was like, he can really still play. Like he can really go at it. And so, um, yeah, if it was Jared Jack, you know, Amir Johnson, David Stockton, Rafael Point, I could see any of those guys really playing in the big three.
2: I feel like Jared Jack is one of those guys, especially as like a point guard where you could just plug him in on any team and he's gonna any hold it team. down for you. Like, right. how many teams has this man been on? Starting guard goes down, and he's the starting point guard for like 30 seasons. Like I, I know it happened from for my Nets, I know it was on the Warriors for a little bit, the Knicks, and yeah. every fan base that has him. Is like we got Jared Jack. And I was like, I don't know who the hell this guy is. Now all of a sudden he's my starting point guard. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy's uh, the best thing ever. So yeah, I would well, love to see Jared Jack. Jared Jack yeah.
1: is someone too that we we were really touching on, like starting to speculate on. And then he joined the TBT. And why I think why Jack's name is might be interesting more now is because you mentioned some some of those TBT guys like Putney. Um, Putney and Jack, you know, they played with with Nitty or Frank Nitty, yeah. they played with Xavier <laughs> Silas, they played with Joe. In the TBT, you know, Amir Johnson's a guy that played with a bunch of the big three dudes in, in the five tournament that happened last summer. So I think all those guys could really could fit in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the same thing about Darren Collison going off topic a little bit. But Darren Collison was one of those guys where I was like, you know, you could probably just throw him in any NBA roster and he'd make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he's probably pushing like 33 years old right now. But Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. One point that I wanted to touch on just a little bit was, like, I really do have so much respect for the veterans, especially, like, the old NBA ones that come back and play in the G League because there was at one point, and this is maybe not so much the case now, but a few years ago, where the G League was really considered, um, you know, somewhere where you go to die, essentially, you know? Like, you know, they're on their last leg, and they're just dying for one more shot and they're totally washed up, you know, but it's not the case, you know, like, um, and so I have a lot of respect for these guys that have had long NBA careers and have made, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Like, I bet you looked at Jared Jack's uh, basketball reference page, he's probably made 80 million plus, you know, in his career, but they just do it out of the love of the game. You know, that's why like when Nate Robinson came back um, for the uh, Delaware uh, 87ers, I was like, you know what? Respect to Nate, you know, when Baron Davis did the same thing with 87, I said respect to Baron because Baron doesn't need any money. You know, Nate doesn't need any money. He doesn't need to prove anything at the next level, but they just do it because they love the game and they're desperate for another shot, of course, but I think it all stems. And the same thing we talked about with Joe Johnson being what, 40 years old now still playing ball, you know, they're just doing it because they love the hoop.
1: Yeah. Well, that actually segues into a good question that I wanted to ask you here. I want to hear your thoughts on you know, we've kind of seen the NBA shift toward wanting younger guys that have potential over those savvy vets a little bit. Right. And you as a, a guy who's an advocate for the G League, are you an advocate for the younger potential? Or do you like having a, a few veterans on the team um, over the young potential?
0: Are you talking about on an NBA roster? or On an on NBA G League? roster. On an NBA roster? Ooh, I would say if you're rebuilding, then certainly the younger guy you know, just to see what he has in the tank. And and like I said, there's just so many talented G League players that deserve a call up and young and old. But the thing about the young guys is that the young guys, you could probably maybe wait a season or so, right? And see how they continue to play to really, and really get a feel of them um, and then call them up. But I think it just depends on what the team needs. If it's a veteran team that's competing for a championship, I can see them calling up like the older guy You know, and saying we can plug you in right now and you be ready for the moment, you know? Because a lot of times you don't know what you're getting out of these young guys. They might be able to put up 25 points at the G League level, but are they mentally strong enough to be thrown in a in a you know Western Conference finals game, you know, and score 10 points off the bench, right? So um I so I think a lot of times with the mentality, depending on what you need, if you want to if you're a team that's going to make a deep playoff run, you'll go with the veteran. But if you're a young team like the Rockets, like the Rockets just called up um you know Kevin Porter of course and then they called up KJ Martin and also Anthony Lamb and then hopefully next one is Armani Brooks on the on the Vipers so they're calling up all these guys they're just really testing them to see what they have in the tank uh because you know they're not going anywhere this year and they're you know hopefully looking for the first pick so uh it just really depends on what the team needs at the given moment
1: that's fair and I think that you know I've we talked about it kind of being on a collision course with the big three and and the G league. It's just so interesting now that there's so many different paths that you can really take to the NBA. There's those two people are going overseas and then going in there. People are going to prep schools and then going to the NBA. Right. Where you've talked about how you feel like the the G league 15 years from now is going to be one of the better options out there, but where do you feel like they, I mean, outside of this bubble season, where do you feel like they really made, like significant improvements, you know, going from the D-League to the G-League to now being at the point where they're at right now?
0: Yeah, I think the thing about the G-League is that it all depends on the success of the G-League to me is dependent on how they play in the NBA, right? So the way that the G-League gets credibility is they play well at the G league level and then they get called up and then they play well at the NBA level, you know? And so a lot of the successes and the reason for its rise in popularity is because the guys that have come from the, the G league have also balled out in the NBA, whether it's like a Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Vliet, or, you know, Chris Middleton or Rudy Gobert, you know, these guys have been stars in the G league, you know, and then they've gone to the NBA and made and made, you know, major successes, whether, it, whether it's winning a championship or uh, making all-star appearances. And so the, the the growth of the G League is really dependent on um, their successes in the big leagues. But I would say that the, that especially like moving forward, I would love to see the NBA start emphasizing the G League more. Like, you know how we always see NBA players and the NBA itself really push the WNBA. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, it's, and you know, that's great and everything like that, but I never see anything about whether it's LeBron or Chris Paul or um Donovan Mitchell whoever I never see them make anything any statements about the G League excel itself you know whether it's like you know go out and watch a game or support these guys who are on the rise and are the next wave of NBA talent and stuff like that um and so I think that you know having those guys as really selling points you know if LeBron said something about the G League then millions of people would be like you know what I might give it a chance right just because <laughs> right following is so huge and stuff like that Um, and so I would love to see like the NBA start pushing it more and, um, and promoting it more, whether, you know, commercials and having it on ESPN. I know we talked about before it's on ESPN plus, um, which was great. That was a big step this year because it was on Twitch before. And some of the games were on Twitch this year as well, but the Twitch years, the Twitch uh, viewing numbers in the past, have always been really low because I think that people are like, Oh, Twitch, what is that? Do I have to make an account or whatever? Right. And then the same thing with ESPN plus is that, you know, the reason why I think it was good to have games on ESPN too, and hopefully more next year, I would love to see them only being aired on ESPN plus or regular ESPN or ESPN news. But the thing about ESPN plus is that you have to have an account as well. And so there's tons of people that are cut off from watching those games because they don't want to pay the $10 a month or so, um, you know, to, to get the yeah. streaming. was just for a G league season. But um, you know, Hopefully they get a better TV contract. Hopefully the NBA starts to push it more. Um, In terms of like other ways that can grow is like the Ignite team, I think is the, is the best way to really garner popularity, just because there's a lot of hype on high school hoops and there has been for a long time, you know, so they can continue getting these, you know, top tier prospects to play for the team. It's going to just draw so much attention. I know like Jalen green, um, uh, Isaiah Todd, Dasha Nix, all those guys uh, were top 20 and five-star guys on rivals, right? So they're really yeah. get, getting like the cream of the crop guys. And they continue to do that and also continue to get a lot of the elite overseas talent too. Like this year they had Principal Singh who didn't really play that much, but he was, um, he's considered the top uh, talent over in India. And they and then they had uh, Kai Soto who was the top talent from the Philippines and he didn't play at all, but they did have these guys signed, um, and so if they continue to like mesh these, you know, younger stars into the G League, it'll start taking off um, as well. But um, did I answer your question? Is that? Am yeah, I yeah, out? yeah.
1: No, okay. definitely. I, I wasn't
0: sure if I was answering the question correctly. But another thing is that I think the G League itself needs to do a better job of actually promoting the players that are doing well in the NBA. Just an example that I had was like Chris Boucher on the uh, Toronto Raptors. He was the G League Defensive Player of the Year and the G League MVP. It's first time that's ever been done. He averaged like 27 and 11 a couple years ago with the Raptors on 05. And just the other week, he had a 30 point game followed by a 29 point game. And he's having a career year like you know, 14 and seven or something like that, but I don't really see him being advertised. And so, you know, the biggest thing that the G League needs to do is make people understand like, hey, he's one of our products, you know? He's a guy that started here and now look at what he's doing. I know he's, he's probably about like 28 years old right now. And, you know, in a few years, I can see him being like an 18 and, 18 and 9 player or so. Um, but the G League itself needs to be like, that's our guy, you know? Like Rudy yeah. Gobert is our guy. He was the only all-star mm-hmm. this year. I had G League experience. You know, that's our guy. So um if they continue I- to do that and showcase like just how many great players have come from the league, I'm sure that they'll do much better in terms of attendance and notoriety and stuff like that.
2: Do you think we're ever gonna get to a spot where it's like comparable to a soccer or a baseball where it's almost like these minor league systems and these academies where these kids are gonna be, you know, claimed by a team coming out of you know, some AAU circuit, and then they're just in these development systems for, you know, instead of just maybe one year or two years, like in the G League now, you know, for five, six, 10 years, do you ever, do you think the NBA, number one, do you think we're moving towards that point? Do you think that's something the NBA
0: wants? And do you think that's possibly ever going to happen? I think it could, honestly. um, I think it could be in the future. I'll say this. I think that the G League, if they do want to go down that path, well, well, let me start off by saying I do like college basketball as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work for my uh, UMBC team, and so I'd, I like college basketball. I'd, I'd like when you know stars go and play at you know whatever universities uh, because it's entertaining to watch. But I understand there's the huge dilemma now whether they should pay athletes and um, you know whether they should be able to market themselves and things like that, which is totally understandable. But um, in my opinion the G League right now doesn't pay enough for people to be in there for 10 years or so, you know? Um, Especially back in the day when they were making just like pennies. Now that the, you know, the salaries have gone up, they could be making like, you know, 60,000, 70,000 or so. But for them to stick around um, for, you know, five, six years making that money when they could probably be making more money overseas, I can see them, I can see if if the salaries go up, you know, that happening, but not until... Not until they start paying a little bit more, unfortunately.
1: Well, I mean, we do see guys like David Stockton who, like you mentioned yeah. before, they, right. they do stay in the league for a while. And I think a great point you made is like the, the, the G League needs to highlight their players more. But, and, you know, in retrospect to what you are talking about earlier, like if the NBA was pushing this as well, like let's just say the Raptors are playing on ESPN one night. And they talk about Chris Boucher and his time in the G League. I think that could help promote the league in itself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's David Stockton's a unique one. I, he has played in the G League for a long time. Um, I wonder if it's because, you know, he has had um, maybe his family is a little bit well off, better off financially, you know, but the guys who it's might true. need the money a little bit more would just take the overseas gig if they're paying more.
1: That's a good point, too. True. Well, you know, and I think I think as, like, the G League continues to develop, too, and as, like, we get past the G League season a little bit more, we might start to hear about some of those, those names just on those ESPN games or on the, I guess, like, bigger televised games on TNT and stuff. Right. Because I felt right. like for Will and I, just from a Big 3 standpoint, we were always looking for that for Joe Johnson. We were like, we want them to talk about his – MVP season in the big three where he just dominated a ton of professional guys, even if it is from a three-on-three standpoint. And I think that's the same thing, like gratification you're looking for. It's like, okay, we, we want to hear how well he did in order to get this point to now be in a, in a successful position.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, some of these G league players really do have amazing stories, Mm -hmm. you know, that I think should be highlighted more as well. Um, was Jonathan Jonathan
1: Simmons the guy who tried out for the D League team, the yes, D League team back in the day? Yep. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, paid hundred fifty
0: dollars okay. for his tryout. And well, you know, th- there's that, and then there's a, a you know a few G League guys that have played like D two ball, you know, and then okay. there's been a few that have played D three, you know. So, um,
1: so I yeah, think there's even cool like the international guys coming over, like the young guys, like Kai Soto is like a guy. I Follow, I feel like you follow these guys from their sophomore year in high school and on it's just someone I've been following because he's so massive. He's so big, you know, you want to see how that translates.
0: Absolutely. And Kai was a guy that I was really hoping to see play in the G league this year, because, you know, he's seven, three, right. And he's pretty skilled. He's pretty skilled. He has a nice little touch. Um, but, I just want to see how he
1: moves a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah, I wanted to see how he would do against more physical and broader, bigger bigs, you know? Bigger uh, that too, big yeah. post players and stuff like that. Like, would he struggle against the physicality? You know what I mean? Would he be um, would he be pushed around even though he's 7'3"? He's not very uh, – he's probably only like, what, 230 or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so would he get pushed around a little bit? So I was really hoping to see him play. But, you know, hopefully we'll just see him play at the NBA level. But, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Last
1: thing, I feel like we'd be doing the G League a disservice if we didn't talk more about Ignite. I know we've touched on them a little bit, and I know the point of your page is to expose guys that aren't being exposed. But that team is just—it's fun to watch. That first opening game between them and Santa Cruz, I was so hyped for just because of like all the pieces that they had and who the Santa Cruz Warriors had. You know, even like guys like Nico Mannion and Axel Tupain, who you talked about earlier. But out of that Ignite team, you got you name Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd, even Jonathan Kamingo's one that I yep. really like. How many of those guys do you feel like are going to go within the lottery?
0: It's um, a good question. I think two, two guaranteed will be top five, uh, whether it's Jalen – well, that being Jalen and Jonathan being the top five. Mm-hmm. With – I with like Isaiah I, Todd's uh,
1: game a lot. That's why. Like, I, I love
0: asked. Isaiah Todd's game. I love Isaiah Todd's game. I could see Isaiah going late first round. Okay or so late first round. And so, and then the, my favorite out of all of them was Dacian Nix. And so, because, you know, Dacian Nix, he's, uh, first off he's, for being 19 years old he's unbelievably smart and savvy. You know, he plays like a seasoned veteran even though he's a teenager still. But Dacian, he's not um, super athletic. He's not super strong. And the other day, I'm sorry, not super athletic, not, a, not super quick. He's super strong, not super athletic, and not super quick. But he reminds me a lot of, like, Andre Miller, and that's who he's okay. he's been the player that has been he's been compared to quite a bit. But Andre was a phenomenal point guard at the NBA level. I mean, he was probably in his prime, you know, 15 and 8 player, you know, 15 points, 8 assists. And so, um, but, you know, part of me thinks that he could struggle against this new wave of point guards that are just unbelievably quick and athletic, you know? And um, in that sense, I could see him maybe going like in the second round, but yeah, it's two for sure. Two are going top five. And then the other two, I think Isaiah is definitely going in the first round in my opinion. Then then Dacia probably be a second rounder, I think. Okay.
1: Okay. I was trying to think of that too, because you got Jalen green and Kuminga, but then, if you think of the top three college guys that are probably going to go into the draft, it's Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and, and Jalen Suggs, probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And
0: we'll so, have to keep
1: an eye on that for sure. Uh, and I think, you know, only more excitement to come for the G league, uh, you know, as we continue to move on you know, and, and more years.
0: For sure, for sure. man. I can't wait to see how it's, how it really pans out. And that goes the same thing with the big three. I was disappointed last year when the big three didn't have a season. You yeah, know, and uh, we were too. <laughs> yeah, bad, yeah, absolutely. But you know, I was, I was disappointed. I totally understood why. But you know, the big three is so fun for me, at least, because I actually kind of prefer to see these guys play at an old age than when they were young. You know, mm-hmm. like if someone were to be like, you can watch, you know, Jermaine O'Neal as a twenty-five year old or Jermaine O'Neal as a forty-year-old. Part of me would be like, I don't know. I'm really curious to see how Jermaine O'Neal <laughs> would hold up as a forty-year-old. You know, and then uh, and so you know. In a few years, it's already gained so much popularity. I mean, like their Instagram has probably like five hundred thousand followers, something like that. Yeah, it's it's yeah, they're up there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been up there. So, um, so they're only gonna grow, and I think you know the as uh, the G hopefully the G League grows, and hopefully the Big Three grows, and that's good for both of us, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well, I think all these complimentary too. I I think just opening the minds of of fans is going to be good for everybody and having more leagues is going to help with that. So uh, hopefully we see that growth from b- both leagues. Want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, I guess really educating us more on the G league and yeah, look to see. Yeah. Look to see like, you know, what you have in store for G league TV and what the G league has in store, you know, for you to be able to continue to put the
0: content out there. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. This is my first podcast appearance. So I no really way, yeah. First podcast. Feel honored. There's more to come. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. But I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you, guys. No, absolutely, yeah, Jeff. It. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much.
2: All right, guys. That was our interview with Jeff Key from G League TV. I'll tell you what, Anthony, that conversation went a lot of places, and we were actually able to talk with Jeff for a pretty decent amount of time after the camera's cut. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited just to see what Jeff has in store for us, and I'm just really excited to see You know, the future of the G League and the future of the big three, like we said a couple of times in the interview, it really does seem like we are on a collision course, (laughs) uh, just for those two different platforms for basketball players to make the NBA. So I'm excited to see what the future holds. And I appreciate everybody who took the time out of their day to listen to us. I appreciate everybody who's listening on Dash, listening on their preferred podcast platforms, listening, or I should say watching us on YouTube. Thank you guys. And we will see you next week.